The Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. We have, we have joining us a little bit of a segment early, Robert Larson, and we're, since both conventions are over, and I'm feeling more alienated than ever and thinking I'm a Swedish woman that somehow popped out in America. Um, we're going to get some, we'll have, have some election news. So how how you been doing, Robert? I've been doing fine. Yeah, everybody's struggling. In fact, um, not only are you struggling, but in the past, apparently the Romneys and Obamas are struggling too. I'm going to play that clip for you right now. My father was a pump operator at the city water plant, and he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when my brother and I were young. And that's about enough I can take of that. Um, I I think the conventions were either trying to conjure up Lincoln-esque images or they felt like uh, Chris Farley needed to have a bit of a tribute with uh, I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> either one. Uh, uh, it, it comes across as, as sort of comical. And, yeah, it, it's like we understand all the votes that we need, the majority of those votes are from people who are working class, who are struggling people, some of whom are very much struggling, and we just want you to know that we relate, and we've been there, you know, and on the one hand, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I guess that's nice that you were there once, and you can relate, but on the other hand, it's like, wow, you, you don't have a clue what what it's like out there for most people now, and and certainly Mitt Romney who never really struggled. And this, uh, wow, we had to eat pasta and tuna or something. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of Americans are 
<laughs> getting by on all the time. How gross is that? I just had that a few nights ago. I mean, seriously. Uh. Yeah, Michelle Obama talking about the uh, the rusted out car. We all have a couple of friends who are driving around cars like that, and they can't really afford to get it fixed or anything. And it's just uh, it's kind of more and more you see this going on. But it's it, it's sort of this absurd show, this thing going on. And uh, it's like divorce from reality. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it really gets absurd with with Mitt Romney, the whole thing. <laughs> we, we had to sell some stocks to, yeah, to go to college. <laughs> yeah, oh, rats. We had stocks to sell. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, 19 years old, and, uh, and, oh, I just got these extra stocks sitting around that I can just sell and live off of those. Uh, I mean, I think there, there is a big difference there between uh, having to pay back student loans yeah, and well, I didn't watch a lot of the convention just because I knew it would be a pity party like that and just full of like campaign sloganeering cliche and um it almost is to the point where it's um condescending towards the pe- people that are watching it. Uh, yeah, it's like there's if you're at all paying attention to this kind of thing of how it really works, you you get this notion that there's this formula. <laughs> If these political strategists put together, you got to touch this thing, you know, the, strike this chord, strike this chord, make sure all of this is done. It's this kind of emotional working up of people, and uh, there you go. And you can just see it going on. It's so transparent. And, I mean, they're, they're all politicians, and they all we know what politicians do. They say what you want to hear, and uh, they, at the very least, kind of shade the truth. Yeah. I mean, the Paul Ryan speech, or just Paul Ryan in general, is pretty phenomenal. I mean, just, I think, I don't ever hear him talk to where there isn't an, an outright lie. I mean, we're not talking about shading the truth. Saying something that's almost the exact opposite of what is true. It, it's really, it's really stunning. Yeah, and then I think Wolf Blitzer said, "Oh, it was an emotional speech. It got the crowd up on its feet." Well, we'll let the fact checkers, you know, shift through it later. And it's just like, what? That's your job. <laughs> You're the, supposed to be the fact checkers. And I, I read on the Nation actually that on December 10th. Uh, 2010, Ryan penned a letter to the Department of Health and Human Services to recommend a grant application for a community health center in his district um, in Racine, Wisconsin. So um, to quote him, the proposed new facility in the Bell City Neighborhood Health Center will both serve a uh, preventive and comprehensive primary health care needs of thousands of new patients of all ages and who are certainly without health care. And then yet he's on the campaign trail trying to say, oh, I'm going to appeal the health care initiative. Right. There's a couple of things there. I think this clinic that's being funded uh, through his doing is providing uh, contraception. Uh-oh. They don't provide abortion. I mean, he's safe there, but I think they are providing contraception, which he's supposedly against uh, as well. And it's also... Uh, taking funds from Obamacare. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, and then you, I don't know if you heard yesterday, uh, it came out that uh, Mitt Romney has said, oh, there are certain parts of Obamacare that I, I do think are okay and I, I don't want to repeal. You know, as we've been saying all along, he's just going to re- flat out repeal everything. Yeah. And uh, then one of his 
spokespersons kind of walked that statement back, but he's just all over the map on it. It's uh, it's uh, really, I, Paul Ryan's outright lies, and Mitt Romney is just extreme flip-flopping. <laughs> his flip-flopping makes uh, John Kerry look like he never changed his mind about anything, and uh, Paul Ryan's lies make uh, uh, Dick Cheney look like a saint. Yeah, well, I'm re I'm rereading some of the. Uh, I found a book I'm rereading actually that, uh, since I'm moving um, from Matt Taibbi, the called the, the Grand Derangement, and um, basically I couldn't believe the one of the funniest lines actually in the book was about how we have the superconductor and we we're you know a first world country, but we have a significant amount of the country that lives in Canterbury Tales. <laughs> I, it's it's a it's I mean it's it's fascinating that the Republican Party has made Mitt Romney run like this because he he's the image whatever image the Republican Party wants to plaster onto him he's more than willing to bend to that but it's just frightening how far to the weird right that he's had to bend for these people. Yeah, and it's this thing of like they really only have angry white guys that are supporting them. And they've made this determination that we're, first of all, everybody knows there are not a lot of undecided voters, but they, the Republicans seem to have made this determination that they can't really win enough of them to outright win the election just on that. They, they have to have maximum turnout of their base, of the angry white guys. Yeah. Playing that up as much as they can, whatever it is that appeals to them, and, of course, then they, they're going to do the voter suppression and the uh, outright non-counting of votes or stealing elections, things that they've done in uh, some of the recent last two presidential elections before Obama was elected. And uh, so, so, yeah, I think that that's going. It's sort of like they realize, in tune with that Lindsey Graham quote, that they realize that there aren't enough uh, angry white guys out there to sustain where they're going, and that really this is probably the last election they'll have any chance of winning unless they really change who they are, because all of those, those angry white guys are getting older. They're, they're not young angry white guys, they're a few, but they're mostly middle-aged or older angry white guys. Yeah. And that demographic is just, that's not a combination you can win with. It's not even a combination, it's a single group. So I, I, they seem to be aware of that, and that this is... They're going to do a lot of weird stuff to try to win this election, including running uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of negative ads over the next uh, six or seven weeks, which should be pretty interesting. Yeah, that it, but what you're saying is basically the vein of what Michael Moore said, which is like if we voted like American Idol, Obama would win easily. But since uh, you know voter registration is the first way to vote or the gateway to voting. And there's places like Texas and Ohio, where in Texas, your University of Texas Longhorns student ID won't get let you, allow you to vote, but your NRA membership will. And then in Ohio, where they're trying to end early voting to get, you know, suppress, you know, the poor base, um, that's the only way they can possibly win this. And I think they will win this be, based on the voting suppression that they put in. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. And it's it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the things they're proposing. It's like Mike Malloy has said recently, it's like, you know, kind of 
grudgingly that he may vote for Obama just because uh, with uh, Obama, it's this slow creep towards fascism with uh, Romney. It's just this sprint. And <laughs> is basically going to be there, and it's going to be a clampdown with, with Obama. It's like we still have a chance to, to undo that. Uh, so it, it's... Uh, just a scary thought, I think. Uh, those two words, as Michael Moore said, <laughs> President Romney. Uh, just because we know what how he bends to the will of the billionaires who are backing him. Yeah, well, Obama does too with, with the fact that he got all of his campaign contributions and then he changed... When he was senator, he changed the, the way that people can declare bankruptcy so people have to hold on to more of their past debts. Right. But on the other hand, he, he did uh, um, create the uh, Consumer Protection uh, Agency for uh, what, what's the official name of that? It was the Warren helped to create. I don't know the official name of that off the top of my head, but um, he was shamed in the creating that. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I'm at the point where, like, I kind of want to vote for Romney just so that I can um, hasten my political asylum application to Canada or Sweden. <laughs> I don't know. And the other the other kind of thing where it's kind of, um, as you like to say, in through the looking glass, kind of in the rabbit hole kind of thing was the whole, the fact that um, it was stated when Bill Clinton got to speak in front of the Democrats that he has like this insane approval rating of people that like him, like six, 79 to 69 percent. And and it's like this is the a-hole that repealed Glass-Steagall with the Financial Services Modernization Act. Um, he signed that act post-Citigroup merge. Citigroup then merged, which was against the law. Then he signed the act to make what they did legal. And how can Americans just not pay attention? Well, as you and I have discussed before, I think the thing with Bill Clinton is that it's okay, most popular recent president, well, if you look at <laughs> what you're comparing him to and all the things you said are, are true, but you can think of a lot of worse things you can say about Reagan, about both of the Bushes, you know, and it, it's, and people do associate the time that Clinton was in office uh, with prosperity, the economy was in much better shape than it is now, or it was under uh, Bush, uh, you can and it was a time of relative peace. We weren't involved in any major conflicts where uh, any uh, major number of U.S. service uh, men were killed. I think it was just, I don't know, a handful maybe that in the whole Kosovo affair and things we were involved in. A lot of people over there were killed, but, you know, people don't seem to, if, if our own service uh, personnel are not being killed, people have a better feeling about it. Yeah. Kind of sanitary. We're just dropping bombs on other people. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what people say. We, uh, we weren't having any of our people killed. Uh, we were, the economy was rolling along. And so people associate that with Bill Clinton, and he does have a, a certain charm about him. There's no doubt about that. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's what I make of how uh, Clinton is still so popular. And I mean, it, it, and there were certain things that he did that were pretty good. I mean, basically not being as bad as the other guys as tax <laughs> were better in the sense that they helped to create more wealth because we know when you have the tax rate a little bit more progressive, it uh, 
it helps out the overall economy. Yeah. Um, it, the numbers on that are hey, they're pretty solid. <laughs> you look back through history, we had really progressive tax rates before Clinton was even in office. The economy was even uh, stronger. Or in the 1950s, it was very strong when we had very progressive tax rates. When you basically when you tax people over fifty percent after like four million dollars in earned income, you basically cut down on the speculations and bubbles. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Well, I think I think the whole both conventions can be summed up by that deranged delusional Clint Eastwood talking to a chair. I think that <laughs> I think that's basically it. <laughs> well, that that was pretty uh, bizarre. It's just hard to figure out what <laughs> I mean did they see that in rehearsal I mean that's the thing I always want to know I sort of wonder if they weren't like so ecstatic that they were going to have Clint Eastwood you know Dirty Harry <laughs> because at their convention they just didn't want to upset that at all and just okay you're on and yeah do what you want you know like you're Dirty Harry you're going to say things that Republicans want to hear. Yeah. And, uh, uh, or, I don't know, if, if they saw exactly what he was doing and thought that was okay, that says a little bit about the judgment <laughs> of these Republican strategists. Yeah, it really does. Well, we're going to come back with your next segment with uh, the report from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest next. Um, and then we'll talk more about the political impact and what's, you know, politics within the, an empire, as well as some crazy crimes involving an Apple store and some other stuff. So t- stay tuned for that. This is The Heather McCoy Show.